Psalm 34. We're going to work our way through most of this psalm today, and so I need you guys to bear with me. It's going to be, it's going to take some work on your part. Do you know what it is to work to concentrate when you don't want to concentrate? I think we have a few experts in the room. One's behind the pulpit. It's not always easy to concentrate, is it, right? So today I'm challenging you as, as I hope that you'll listen to me, but more importantly that you'll listen to the Lord. If you need to read ahead, read through, pray, do what you need to do, but let the Lord speak to your heart. There's so much good here. I'll try not to, to stay too long, but I want you to hear what the Lord has to say. Again, we've been doing words that encourage. Uh, last week we talked about the jars of clay, right? And how our humanity actually exalts the Lord's power. Now today we're going to look at how the Lord... Uh, when we seek him, he delivers. So Psalm 34, I just want to start with verse 18. One of my, uh, one of my many favorite verses. <laughs> Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the what? The brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Amen. <laughs> That's pretty good right there, isn't it? Right. The Lord is close to the broken heart and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Even Jacob said today, he goes, well, the Lord didn't abandon us when he's not close. It's that we're not close to him. And I thought that's right on the money, isn't it right? The Lord is always there and available for us if we would but seek him. Even our Sunday school lesson in our class today, we were talking about fear and courage. So something to think about this morning, again, kind of fits with the theme of many things. How to stay safe in the world today. You may have heard this before, but I think it's pretty good. Well, first off, you want to stay safe in the world today. Avoid riding in automobiles because they are responsible for 20% of all fatal accidents. So no more cars. Um, do not stay at home because 17% of accidents occur in your home. <laughs> Avoid walking on the streets or sidewalks because 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. Avoid traveling by air, rail, or water because 16% of all accidents involve these forms of transportation. Of the remaining 33%, 32% of all deaths occur in hospitals. Above all else, Melissa, Casey, avoid hospitals. <laughs> so don't go to the hospital. Uh, you'll be pleased to learn that only 0.001% of all deaths occur in worship services in church. So you're in the safest place you could be. And they say that Bible study is even less. So everybody come out Wednesday night. All right. Fear. Sometimes fear can really drive us. David, in this psalm, this is the psalm where he is actually running into King Achish. He's so scared of himself that David fakes that he's insane. He lets the saliva run all over his beard, and he plays a part of a crazy man so that the king will not execute him, finding out that he's actually a great warrior. Even David, who took down Goliath, sometimes was afraid. That should encourage us a little bit this morning that sometimes even the most. And so in the midst of that context, David writes this song or this psalm, Psalm 34. This morning, what are you afraid of? We asked that very question to our kids in Sunday school today. What are you afraid of? And I want to encourage you that the brokenhearted can find comfort. From Luke chapter 12, verse 4, I'm going to start with this very clear reminder. Jesus says, I tell you, friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. 
but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. That's Jesus speaking. Think about that. I'm afraid that so often I get so worried about the temporal when my mind is not on the eternal that I'm very fearful of what's going to happen in the temporary. Jesus says, don't be so afraid of the temporary. You need to have concern about what lasts forever. And that is hard to do sometimes, isn't it, right? But that's part of God's message to us today in Psalm 34. So let's go on down, if you would. Let's look in verse 1, Psalm 34. David begins the psalm, and he says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify or magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. This is one of the really cool acrostic psalms. Uh, I know you're a bunch of Hebrew experts out there, right? But if you actually knew the Hebrew alphabet, this is kind of one of those where it basically each verse starts with a letter of the alphabet is how that it lays out, okay? So it would be a memory tool to help them remember the words that David has written down. We've talked before here at our church about acknowledging God. And one way to do that is very simply to get in the habit of praising the Lord. When's the last time that you bragged on the Lord, right? You can do it very simply uh, in prayer. Sometimes when you're praying with other people, that's a great time to brag on the Lord. I always love about Esther is she very often will think about the Lord's day, right? Whatever the day is, it doesn't matter the weather, she finds something good in it. (laughs) I don't know how she does it. But she likes to extol the Lord even in his creation. And that's an encouragement to us. I want to ask you today, how have you been acknowledging God lately? Where have you been seed God in your life? Have you even been looking for him? Was God involved at all with your presence in this place today? Definitely, right? We need to acknowledge the Lord. And, and this morning, it just really hit me in our prayer time and Sunday school here as well. Who in here is hungry today? I mean, you might be hungry for lunch. But good night. We had uh, breakfast burritos available on the spot this morning here, right? When you guys go home today, most of you have plenty of food in the, in the cabinets. And this week, most of you aren't going to have a problem finding a meal or a snack. Amen? And that's not true for everyone. Again, an opportunity to acknowledge the Lord for things as simple as our daily bread, okay? And a lot of times in our culture, we say that boasting and bragging is usually off limits. But in this case, bragging on the Lord is always appropriate. And what David says and reminds us is that our boasting here will help others who have been afflicted. What happens when you brag on God about how he he heard you when you were hurting? What's that do for other people? There's still hope for me. Michael was in a really rough spot, but God helped him out. That's such a blessing. Melissa was in a rough spot, but God helped her out. What encouragement. Vicki was in a rough spot, but God delivered. There's still hope that God will deliver for me. We need to share the times when God lifts us up and lifts us out. David says, I will extol the Lord. Will you come and magnify his name with me? 
And I'm going to challenge you this week to look for an opportunity to magnify the Lord. All right. It could be a simple conversation with a friend, could be a text, could be something even on social media. But look for an opportunity to extol and to magnify the Lord. And in this sense, it really brings comfort and encouragement. David says, let the afflicted rejoice. We don't often tell the afflicted that you will rejoice, but our experience of deliverance is hope for suffering. It is so important for us to share with each other what God has been doing. And so my challenge to you right now this morning is, are you sharing? How are you sharing what God has been doing for you? All right, let's look down, if you would, in verse 4. Verse 4. This is a verse that I actually had to memorize uh, in college. I remember going through this. The scripture says, David again writes, he says, I sought the Lord and he what? He answered me, right? He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. I love this in verse six. This poor man called and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Man, what a great verse. This is a good verse to stick up on your refrigerator or on your screen or whatever. The Lord wants to hear your fears. You don't need to pretend before him. Hello? Does the Lord know your situation? Does he know that you've... Morning come. You don't have to put on some fake holy thing before God. He knows your pain. He knows your hurt. And we need to seek him. He wants to hear your fears. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God knows everything. He already knows your every thought. But these verses remind us to seek him out. When we are desperate or hurting, we need to turn and seek the Lord. David sought the Lord. How about you today? Are you seeking him? Second thing, when he sought the Lord, what happened? I love this. God answered, right? Now, do we always get the answer we want? (laughs) That's the hard part, right? But God did answer. David not only voiced his concern and his need, but God answered. Again, hope for us. Now, we're not just like throwing out suggestions in the comment box of the universe, but when we cry out to God, we have hope. And more than hope, we have truth that he will answer. Again, sometimes we feel distant. We feel abandoned. But this is the time to remember what David is telling us here, to keep on crying out to the Lord. He does hear. Keep crying. Keep praying. Keep talking. Don't quit. That's the hard part, isn't it? We want to give up. We want to be done. We just want to say it's over. But the the promise here is a reminder that when we seek the Lord, he answers. And then finally here in verse 4, he delivers. We we all know there are times when others cry out and are not delivered. But I want to remind you this day, what the Lord is promising here is a sustaining grace. And that is always delivered. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And I don't want to abuse this verse, but I want you to hear it for the truth that it is. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man or mankind. And God is what? 
He is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, does this verse say that you're never going to feel like you've got more than you can handle? It doesn't say that. <laughs> it gets used for that. Some people lay guilt trips on other people that and they say, well, don't worry. God won't give you more than you can handle. No, God gives you more than you can handle all the time. Even today, we had Gideon facing a Midianite army. He had 300 men, and they had 120,000 Midianites. You think Gideon's going to say, oh, no problem. I don't have more than I can handle. I can handle this. <laughs> he had way more than he could handle. You do as well, right? But the promise here is that God will make a way through the temptation so that you don't have to abandon him. He will give you a path to cling to him. He will give you sustaining grace when you need it but you need to seek him. That's the challenge. That's the hard part this morning. You need to seek him. Again, this is a promise that God will go with you through any storm and any temptation. He will not abandon you. And if you seek him, he will provide a way for you to cling to him, even when you feel like every other hope is exhausted. So David says, seek, answered, delivered. Pretty good story, amen? David got delivered here. David gets delivered from Saul. David gets delivered from Goliath. David was delivered from a lion and a bear. It's a pretty common thing for David to seek the Lord, for God to answer for him to be delivered. What's your story today? Have you ever sought the Lord and he heard you and he delivered? Tell somebody. That's what David is doing here in Psalm 34. And notice how David approaches the Lord. This poor man called right <laughs> he's the king he's the one who, who slew Goliath and here in this sense he says this poor man called again we know that humility is tied to God hearing and delivering and so we need to come to him with a humble heart how comforting to know that the Lord's angels encamp around those who fear him and here's another thing this morning I want you to think about this today this is can be troubling but to me it's very encouraging Everything that comes your way must be filtered through God's hands. You get that? Anything that happens to you, the Lord could have said, no, it's not going to happen. Or yes, I'm going to allow it. Now, part of that's hard, isn't it, right? You mean God knew this was coming my way? Oh, preacher, that's hard. The Lord has allowed things to come in and through his hands to your life, knowing that if you will seek him, that he will answer and he will deliver ultimately for his glory and your joy. But you've got to trust him. I feel like I'm preaching the same little Sunday school lesson I gave 30 minutes ago with Gideon. It's the same thing. Gideon puts up the fleece. God, are you sure about this? Let's do it this way. Let's have a little dry fleece, a little water on the ground. Then I can trust you. What's God do? Sure, we'll do it next day. Oh, yeah. It's well, God, I'm not quite sure yet, <laughs> right? I don't know if I can really trust you. Let's do the opposite just to make sure. What's God? He does the opposite. He says, you're going to go fight Midian? Well, you've got 32,000 soldiers. Midian has 120,000. We were trying to talk about odds with 
my kids in my class. I don't think they were quite gamblers yet. They didn't quite get odds yet, right? That's not, that doesn't make sense. 32 versus 120. And what's God say to Gideon? You got too many. Get rid of some of the soldiers. Are you crazy? Tell everybody who's afraid to go home. 22,000, head on home. Left with 10, 10,000. Now we got 10,000 and 120,000. God says, you still have too many. <laughs> Gideon, I couldn't believe what he's thinking, right? God says, go down the brook, see how they drink water, and we'll get the guys we need. 300 guys, 120,000. Will you trust God? Preacher, I don't know how God can help me through this financial situation. You don't know the trouble I'm in. You don't know the burdens I'm carrying. I just don't think he can do it. I don't. Will you trust God? Preacher, you don't know the physical affliction my friend is in and the pain and the suffering. And I don't know how to handle it. I don't think I can do it. I don't even. Will you trust God? It's hard sometimes, isn't it, right? And the, the encouragement to us today is David says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me. So God will provide sustaining grace when we trust him. Let's look on down next verse here, down verse eight. David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing or no good thing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Taste and see. I dare you. How does that work for you? That's one of the ways I try to use uh, a little uh, psychology on my kids in my class. Today, I was really working on them like, well, you guys won't pray. Well, you're scared to pray, aren't you? No, I'm not scared to pray. Right? That's what David is saying to us here today. Taste and see. I dare you, try to seek the Lord. Try to reach out to him. Try to pray. See if he wouldn't hear you. See if he won't answer. See if he won't deliver. Taste and see and know that the Lord is good. Fear him. Again, another promise. If we will fear the Lord, we will not lack. Even the most feared, the most agile, strong animals that may lack food and strength from some time, but not those who fear the Lord. The Lord is their provision. The Lord gives us whatever resources we need for the day to accomplish the purpose that God has for us. One way to put it is if God wants you to move a mountain today, he will provide the mountain moving muscle. Right? Some days we don't have to move a mountain. Some days we just had to get out of bed and show up. And sometimes that's hard enough, right? But some days it's a big deal. And it's like, there is no way I can do this. And God says, I can do this. Again, I'm speaking, bragging on Jacob way too much this morning, but he basically was like, and David too, they had God on their side. That's why the odds were in their favor because they had the Lord. Today, if you know Jesus and you repented of your sins and trusted, guess what? You got the Lord on your side too and the odds are in your favor. And it's not just that the odds are in your favor, you're gonna win <laughs> because the Lord is with you, amen? All right. Verse 11, come my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good, seek, and, seek peace and pursue it. What we see here is a conditional promise. 
It's not just that everything's going to great for you, be great for you, right? Who of you would love life and would like to see a lot of good days? Any witnesses out here? <laughs> right? I'll take that. But what is, what is the condition for that? Look here in your own heart and my heart today. Watch your tongue. Keep your tongue from speaking evil, David says. Keep your tongue from speaking lies. As a matter of fact, he says, turn from evil. What's the fancy biblical word for turn? Repent, right? This morning, maybe, and I have to be careful here and we with each other, but maybe some of the stress in our life is brought about by our own sin. I'm not saying that all of it is, but some of it may be. And maybe today where we need to start to see many good days is to turn from our selfishness and turn to the Lord. David says, turn from evil. And then when you turn, what's the, not only are you going to not do the bad things, but what are you going to do? Lord, help the preacher here. Seek peace and pursue it. Chase it down. Chase after the Lord and the Lord's peace. Heavenly wisdom from the Lord delivers peace. And again, I would encourage you today to ask yourself, do I have the peace of the Lord? Now look on, if you would, in verse 15. What another, this is, passage is loaded with so many great promises. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. There's some really strong words there, right? Here it's laid out very clearly that those who seek God can expect something different from those who do not. Now here, I want to say this very clear, and you guys know this truth. God is for some, and he's against others. That's not very popular, is it? God's for everyone, right? Well, to the extent that Jesus died for everyone, yes. But to the extent of how you live your life, does God respond to that? God is for some and he's against others. And it's right here again in the scripture. And though our world would try to teach us differently, the Lord's truth speaks very clearly that there are some that God his face is attentive to them, his, his ears attentive to their cry, but there are others who are seeking evil that the Lord is against them. And let's make sure that we clearly proclaim that truth. We've been talking about that on Wednesday nights a lot lately going through Matthew. Again, if we will pursue peace and seek the Lord, the Lord is attentive to our cry. Not only does he just hear us, but he's attentive to it. And if we will fear God instead of fearing man or our circumstances, We'll find a loving and attentive father working towards what is best in you. I got another example this morning of someone who had really faced uh, fear and dealt in really difficult times. You guys, uh, I know Vicki and Melissa both this morning have said pray for our nation because of the times that we live in, right? But I want to tell you that to some extent, these aren't always new. Other people have also lived through some pretty difficult times and it's really caused them to have to seek out the Lord. In intense turmoil, Martin Luther wrote his greatest hymn. It was part of the worst of times in the year 1527, one of the most trying years of his life. It's hard to imagine he had the energy or the spirit to compose one of Christendom's most memorable hymns. On April 22nd, a dizzy spell forced Luther to stop preaching in the middle of a sermon. 
And for 10 years since publishing his 95 theses against the abuse of indulgences, Luther had been buffeted by political and theological storms. He was facing battles in the church and in the town square. At times his life was even in danger. Now he was battling other reformers over other doctrines. Now, to Luther, their errors were great as those of Rome or the Catholic Church. And the very gospel was at stake, and Luther was deeply disturbed and angry, and he went to a great depression. Then on July 6, as a friends arrived for dinner, Luther felt an intense buzzing in his left ear. He went to lie down, and, when, and suddenly he had seen his Lord himself to God's will. Well, with a doctor's help, Luther partially regained his strength. But his depression and illness over him again. And this morning, even some of the greatest people of faith faced battles and continuing battles, right? Looking back on one of his battles, he wrote, his friend Melanchthon, uh, he said, I, I spent more than a week in death and hell and pulled my soul from the inferno below. If you guys could have sat and heard David share with the ICF group a week ago, it sounded almost like that. Like he felt like God was nowhere to be found. He didn't know even that he couldn't even read the scriptures. He was brokenhearted, but he reached out to some friends and those friends praying for him helped bring him back out of the place that he was. Meanwhile, in August, the plague had erupted in Wittenberg. Sound familiar? As fear spread, so did many of the townspeople, but Luther considered a duty to remain and to care for the sick. Even though his wife was pregnant at the time, Luther's house was transformed into a hospital and he watched many of his own friends die. His son became ill, and not until late November did the epidemic abate and the ill begin to recover. During that horrible year, Luther took time to remember the 10th anniversary of his publication against indulgences, noting the deeper meaning of his trials. The only comfort against raging Satan is that we have God's word to save the souls of believers. And sometime that year, Luther expanded that thought into this hymn, and here's the verse I want you to see this morning. It's translated by Frederick Hedge in 1853. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness, grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Amen. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he delivered, all right? Again, verse 17, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their trouble. And he's someone who is brokenhearted or crushed in spirit. Can I encourage you that there's a few people probably sitting in the pew next to you that may be battling or on the edge of this today. They need you to say to them this verse. 
They need to hear it reinforced because sometimes God feels very far away. And God is saying through David and through me and through you today, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Pray for them. Pray even right now. Pray that they will be able to cry out the Lord and be heard and be delivered. Pray that the, they will sense the nearness of God in the midst of desperate circumstances. Even again today, my heart goes to Afghanistan to pray for them. Verse 19, a righteous man may have many troubles. Amen. <laughs> but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. And does this mean everything's going to go easy and be fine? No, it doesn't mean that at all, does it, right? When I read this next passage, I cannot read this passage anymore without thinking of Russ Dillard. I went to visit Russ when he was going through chemotherapy, and it had just worn him out completely. And he was down and depressed and hurting. And we went through Romans chapter 8 together, and I could see his face literally lift up as we went through this passage. And it's a really hard but wonderful truth. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You mean even cancer? Even cancer? Even diabetes? Yeah, even diabetes? Even financial? Yeah. Even relationship struggle? Yeah. They work together? Yeah. Verse 29, for whom... He did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Why is God allowing these things to be filtered through his hands? Because he's trying to make you like Jesus. Did Jesus suffer? Oh, Jesus didn't. Wait a minute. Did Jesus suffer? Who has suffered more than the Lord, right? The Lord does this, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate them he also called and whom he called those what did he do he justified and those who have been justified he glorified and so Paul writes and reminds us all what shall we then say to these things if God is for us who can be against us remember the odds if God is for us who can be against us you guys this is temporary and I'm saying as much to my Myself, as I'm saying to you today, it's so hard to get out of the temporary and see the everlasting. But God is trying to speak to our hearts even today to remind us of those truths. All right, verse 21. We'll finish up here in our Psalm 34 today. The Lord says through David, he says, evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants and no one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. What I want to close with today is this very simple truth. Ultimately, God wins. He does. He will. He has. It's already handled. So we want to be on his side, and we don't want to be afraid of the enemy because the enemy has already been defeated. Another simple promise in this passage, no one will be condemned condemned who takes refuge in him when everything is settled and done if you trusted in the lord will you be condemned no you'll be justified and glorified conformed to the image of his son to rejoice with the lord forever never has anyone taken refuge in the solid rock and 
fail to give us to deliver us, who should we fear? All right, one final illustration, and I'll close with you this morning. Remember, uh, 1914, a guy by the name of Shackleton and his 27-member crew aboard the ship Endurance entered the ice fields of the Weddell Sea, navigating through a dangerous ice pack. With only 100 miles left in their journey, they made the fateful decision to stop and wait for a break in the heavy ice. The temperature dropped and the ice closed in around the ship, making it impossible to proceed. The crew would live aboard the ship for the next 10 months. And gradually, the ship succumbed to the crushing grip of the ice. And Shackleton gave the order to abandon the ship. And the crew began a march in search of safety, carrying minimal supplies, dragging three lifeboats. And eventually reaching open water, they boarded the lifeboats and they sailed off in an attempt to find land. And surviving perilous conditions, they finally landed on a deserted island called Elephant Island. Stranded on the island with no hope of rescue, Shackleton and four other crew members set sail in a lifeboat in an effort to reach the island of South Georgia Traveling 800 miles through the world's worst seas, they arrived only to discover the whaling station was on the other side of the island. Can you imagine? We're here. Oh, no. We still got to go all the way around. Okay. In order to rescue the remaining crew in time, Shackleton and two of his men had to cross on foot the cliffs of the island, which were icy and forbidding. They were vulnerable to blizzards and hurricane force winds, and the island's inhabitants considered the journey impossible. But nevertheless, Shackleton and his two partners crossed in 36 hours. His diary provides an interesting perspective on the South Georgia Island crossing. He says, I know that during that long and racking march of 36 hours over the unnamed mountains of South Georgia, it seemed to me often that there were four, not three. And I said nothing to my companions, but afterwards, Mr. Worsley said to me, boss, I had a curious feeling that there was another person with us. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. There is somebody walking with you today. He's there. We have to trust him. Let's stand this morning. Thank you guys for your patience so much. Please let God's word encourage you. Again, this was Psalm 34 this week. If you're having a rough day during this week, go back to Psalm 34 and let those promises ring through to your heart.